Hey guys, before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to let you know that doors are now open for our signature accelerator program. We are doing a major deal for this promo period where you get Critical Care Academy's CCRN review course absolutely for free as a bonus if you join us before May 4th. Our signature program is special because it's a one-time investment for lifetime access. There are no recurring fees. We want you to start this process early. So if you're in nursing school or if you are just starting the school search process, this is absolutely perfect for you. We walk you through picking schools, writing your resume, making sure you have all those boosters to make you stand out. We've got over 20 hours of video lessons along with an entire downloads vault of swipe files and templates. And of course, over 50% of the program is interview prep. We have five on-demand mock interviews. And then of course, a huge part of this is every month we have office hours where you can bring your questions and get answers. We have essay office hours with our expert developmental editor, Dr. Diane Katie. We have group mock interview practice labs, ad hoc guest speakers like SRNAs, and other faculty. It really is a comprehensive program. And once you are in, you are in for life. You can head to the CRNAclub.com to check it out. And again, the CCRN review course as a bonus that ends on May 4th. So if you are on the fence, shoot me a DM at the CRNA club. I am hanging out there, but otherwise let's jump into today's episode. Welcome to the CRNA Club Podcast, where we talk all things CRNA. As a practicing CRNA, I'm sharing everything I wish I knew when I was applying to CRNA school. I'm Sachi, your host and number one fan. Let's get started. Welcome everybody back to another episode of the CRNA Club podcast and I am so excited today to bring on another special guest. This is Nick from the Critical Care Academy and this episode is going to be excellent for those of you who are either thinking about transitioning to the ICU, who are currently in the ICU and thinking about taking your CCRN because Nick is the go-to guy for CCRN prep review, and he has a lot of great resources to help you get that certification that we know you need for CRNA school. So welcome, Nick. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I appreciate you having me on. Uh, it's an honor to uh, to be working with you on this project. Yes, yes. Okay, so we have a lot to cover today. Nick and I were going back and forth about all the different topics we wanted to share with you, nuances about the exam, things you need to focus on and keep uh, in mind as you're you know, wanting to pass the first time around. So, But before we get into that, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and a bit about your background? Sure. I am a critical care nurse to the core. I've been working in the ICU since 2010, so just a little over 13 years. Um, it's my passion. It's all I know. I, I went straight out of nursing school into the ICU, and uh, it's kind of where I've been ever since. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, I've worked all over from open heart to general surgical, and now I'm working in the neuro ICU, and so I kind of think it's important as, as an overall rounded ICU nurse to, to have a good working understanding of uh, each of those specialties, and so, yeah, that's my background. Nice. So I know you're in neuro. Is that your favorite type of ICU, or if you had to pick one ICU specialty for the rest of your career, would it be neuro? Ooh. Probably not. Um, although neuro is, it, it's it's always a challenge because you're going to get something different. I enjoyed cardiac. I that to me, I because it's it's I think it's much much simpler. Um, it's it's a pretty simple concept when you know the electrical and the plumbing and how it works. It's it's kind of automated now. You can kind of see a patient and you can kind of gauge. All right, yeah, this is what's happening ventricular or 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 this could be something that's an electrical problem. Um, neuro, you don't know what you're going to get and patients are going to respond differently. So, but that's always. That's kind of cool, too, because it's a challenge and the response to depending on the type of neuro injury that you're going to get. But it keeps you on your toes. I think neuro is, is probably a lot more work. But, yeah, they both kind of have their pros and cons. But I'd say 
I'd say I'd go back to to cardiac, if anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's interesting that you 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 say that you think it's the most simple because I think that really shows that you have a really good understanding of cardiac pathophysiology and pharmacology. Because I think a lot of people, when we don't understand the plumbing and the electrical, it's very intimidating and it's it's hard because you're like wait, why is this pressure going up where? How does this manifest in the lungs? Like, it's a lot to grasp. So that's interesting. That's interesting that you, like, yeah, once you understand it, it does become simple. That's nice to hear. So most of our uh, listeners are applying to CRNA school or thinking of applying to CRNA school. And we have some SRNAs who are in programs right now as well. Everybody who's applying to CRNA school needs to take their CCRN. And even though there are some programs that do not explicitly state on their website that it is a hard requirement, I would say 99% of people who apply are going to take it, even if it's not technically required. So I'm sure a lot of people who, who get certified through Critical Care Academy do go on to apply to CRNA school. But for those people who maybe, you know, want to just get certified, what are some other benefits besides using it for CRNA school? What are some other reasons why somebody in the ICU should choose to get certified? Oh, no, sure. Um, there's a lot more benefits to just trying to check that box to, to apply for CRNA school, which is a lot of my audience. Most people, not most, but a good percentage of them, yes, they want to get CCRN so they can so they can move up that clinical ladder and then, of course, go on to, to becoming a CRNA. And I don't blame them. I was actually one of those. There's other tremendous benefits that are often kind of overlooked. I'd say one of them is um, the advanced clinical competence. Getting your CCRN certification, this is going to require a, a really solid understanding of these critical care nursing concepts and the knowledge that you gain, the skills through certification, it, it enhances your clinical competence and it really does help you provide better care to your patients. Um, and you, you see improved patient outcomes with understanding and, and having holding that certification. The other thing that it'll give you is professional credibility those that have certification, having this certification, it, it's going to show uh, high-level expertise and specialized knowledge in critical care nursing. And so uh, it's said that, that CCRN validates your skills and expertise, and it makes you more credible uh, among your nursing colleagues, also your, your employer. Uh, other hospitals are going to see that. Um, and then your patients and, and their family members as well. It happens quite often in my facility. We have an extra badge that, so, that says certified nurse. And so I, I get it a lot of times, either my patient or their families, they'll ask me, they'll say, hey, what does that mean? What, is, what does certified mean? And I always, I shouldn't, but I always just kind of laugh it off. And I basically tell them, it just means that I know what I'm doing or I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to know what I'm doing, right? I just kind of, I minimize it and I shouldn't, but just kind of joking around with them. But, um, and then they, they always ask further. They'll say, well, no, what, what does certified nurse mean? And it lets them know that, no, I'm, I'm certified in critical care. And so I, I, I've demonstrated the competence and, and, and I've proven, uh, according to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses, that, I, that I'm basically more than qualified to take care of you or, or your family member. And so it gives them kind of a, a sense of ease. It kind of, you know, allays some of their fears and they, they feel good. And then not, not to mention, it really helps me explain these concepts. A lot of times in, in, in uh, ICU, you're, a lot of the, the time is spent from bedside talking to the patients, talking to the families. They have questions. They need to know what's going on. And having this clinical knowledge, it helps me navigate Daily, it helps me navigate these these problems with my patients, and I can talk to the patient or talk to the family. Like, hey, let me explain to you what's going on, especially when the doctor's not available and they can't explain it or or they haven't taken the time. That's where I come in. It's like, no, no, no. Okay, I can tell you exactly what's going on. This is what this is. This is where you're at. Uh, I don't know. For example, okay, I see you had an echo. So your ejection fraction is thirty percent. So I'm really keeping a close watch on your heart. So this is why you're here, and this is what you can expect is going to happen today. This is the goal today. And so, it, it, as soon as you talk to your patients or talk to your families and explain what's going on. You know, me, the goal is for them to go home (laughs) and go home and rest for the day. I've got this. Take it easy. And it makes my day a lot easier. And so when you're able to articulate your practice, you're you're able to articulate, you know, the the pathophysiology with your patient and and having that certification is going to help you do that. And so and there's a ton of other benefits. You've got the career opportunities of CCR and most hospitals are going magnet. And so they want CCR and certified nurses. I think there's like a 
I don't know what the, I think it's like 80% or greater. They want bachelor's prepared, but they also want certified nurses. And so CCRN certification checks that box. Um, we talked about professional development, networking opportunities. And then probably lastly is that personal satisfaction and confidence. When you have that, you, you're, you're going to rise to that, to that level. You're going to walk around with that confidence like, okay, hey, I'm a certified nurse. I'm, I'm, I'm qualified to be here. I deserve a seat at this table. And um, that's going to show in your practice. Physicians are going to see that. Your other colleagues are going to see that. And so um, when you're more confident in your practice, you're going to, you're going to provide better care. So. There's a ton more, but but yeah, those are those are just scratching the surface of why you should get your CCRN certification. And would you would you say that some hospitals even pay a little bit more if you are certified? Is that a thing? It is. I and I, I it's not my facility, so I can't speak to I can't speak to all of them. But I have heard that other facilities do have that. They have like a clinical ladder, and then you get like I don't know fifty cents more an hour or something like that to have that certification. So yes, absolutely, there is a business case to be made. There is a financial implication for having that CCRN, which is always a great incentive as well. Yeah, and I I do want to circle back to the point that you made about being a good communicator with your patients because I think a lot of the time especially in healthcare now, you know, it's changed so much over the past couple of years. There is a lot of mistrust and there's a lot of anxiety and, and a lot of, um, you know, even with social media, I think family members are coming in to the hospital setting with a lot more distrust and a lot more anxiety and a lot more fear. And it is exhausting to be a working at the bedside and caring for these patients, right? But at the same time, it is also tiring to you know, have to take time out of your busy day to explain to patients, family members, what is going on. But I think it is so important to do because like you said, trust you more and they're able to like take a break and go leave and like let, let you do your job and their satisfaction is going to be higher and they're going to understand more and they're going to, you know, maybe pick up on things that they've noticed at home or maybe something that the the clinical team has missed. And they're just going to be more involved in the patient's care holistically by by us educating them and communicating with them. And I always say that the best communicator wins, even in CRNA school, even with the SRNAs that I precept, they could be doing all the right things. They could be understanding the pathophysiology and pharmacology, or even when you're interviewing, you could you know, have all this great experience and have all these stories to tell. But if you can't communicate that to people, if you can't communicate that to your ICU intensivist or to your um, ICU preceptor that you're working with, they're not going to know, they're not going to believe you, they're not going to understand. So that communication piece is, is really important. So getting certified and being confident to explain these these principles and explain these pathophysiologies in a simple way is really going to help you not only feel more confident, but I think build other people's confidence in you to like trust you with more. So that's a big yeah, one. It's a, it's a big deal, man. So having that ability to to articulate and to explain these advanced concepts that you now understand and you've got a grasp on because you took that time and you took ownership of your practice by getting that extra certification, it's going to make your job a lot easier. And it's actually, there's actually studies out there. I'll try to, I'll send it to you after this that shows there's an actual decreased amount of burnout uh, and a higher retention with hospitals that have certified nurses. It's really interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely send that yeah. to me and I'll, I'll link it in the, in the show notes here. Now we have our, our ICU nurses who are like, all right, you've convinced me. I want to go for my CCRN certification. What are the requirements for them to be able to take this exam? Oh, sure. And this is all, um, you can actually find that on the, on the AACN.org website. Um, I also have a blog that, that I have on my website as well that I can share in a minute, but you have to have a current, obviously current active unencumbered uh, RN license. You can't have, you know, you have to be, you have to be a registered nurse, of course, in the United States and uh, your experience level, they give it a number and I don't know where they, where they, how they come up with the number, but you have to have a minimum of 1,750 hours of, of direct bedside care in an acute care setting, critical care, um, ER also, that counts, uh, step down counts if you have uh, some hospitals call it progressive care or, or step down SDU, PCU. Um, that also counts. So any sort of critical care. So those three units, ICU, ED, 
or um, step down uh, qualifies as, as having that experience. And so I'd say as long as you have, I think that roughly translates to around nine months of, of almost full-time hours at the bedside, um, you, are, you are eligible to sit for the, for the CCRN exam. Okay, that's good to know. I did not know that the ER and the step-down, like CCU-type units, would qualify for that. Because that's great. Because a lot of people start off in the ER, start off on, yeah, like a progressive care unit, and then they transition to the ICU. So it's great, a great tip to know that they can count those those hours. Um, and we know people are probably working overtime, so yeah. maybe they even might hit that you know, that hour mark a, a little closer to like eight months or seven months, who knows? Yeah. Um, well, and then that, that being said, I've now, I, I, I don't know if I'll get in trouble for saying this, but I've never known the AACN to audit, um, and, and to, to verify. So when you do go to register, to, to take the exam, all they ask for is uh, the name of a colleague or a nursing supervisor, somebody that can attest to those hours. And so, like I said, I've never known for them to actually go back and on. I'm sure they do, or I'm sure there's a process, but nobody's ever kind of told me like, hey, the AACN said I'm not eligible to take the exam, but um, at, I always recommend you want to have at least six months, at least six months of full-time experience because it, that's important to have. Um, you want to have at least sufficient knowledge or, or experience before you sit for that for that exam. So I can definitely agree and see why the AACM wants you to have a minimum amount of, of, of hours and experience in, in bedside care. Yeah, and then it makes it easier to pass too, honestly, because you under, you're seeing these concepts clinically, so you're connecting the dots. So it only it only benefits the uh, person who's taking the exam as well. You know, when I took the CCRN years ago, I didn't know I didn't notice that there was like subspecialties of these CCRN exams. So like the CCRNK, and, and I think there are some other ones listed on the website. So particularly for people who are applying to CRNA school, they want to take the the CCRN exam, right? Not the CCRNK. Is that right? Yes. So yeah, there's a subtle difference. And the CCRNK was, um, I'm actually not sure. It, it's been around for a little while, but yes, there, AACN adds these subspecialties. There's ones that they now transition to like CMC uh, and CSC, cardiac surgery. I think it's cardiac medicine. Um, anyway, they have, a, they, have, they have a pretty good handful of, of other certification exams. But yes, for the purposes of CRNA school, CCRN is one, and I think you can still get away with CCRN case. So the difference is, is CCRN is, is is designed for working nurses. You can think of it as that way of, of current working nurses. You have to have a minimum of those 1,750 hours uh, in direct bedside care within the last two years. Now, there's a lot of nurses that have moved on. Okay, so now they're in management or they're a nurse, uh, uh, critical care nurse educator or something along, or, or a charge nurse, and they haven't had direct bedside care, but they still have that knowledge of critical care. And so that's where the K comes in. CCRNK focuses more on the knowledge component of critical care nursing. So it's that certification is intended for those nurses who haven't provided direct care, but they still have that knowledge and expertise in critical care. Okay. Gotcha. It's it's interesting to see, yeah, the progression of these additional certifications. And, you know, now with our CRNA school applicants, many of them are getting that dual certification. So they're getting their CCRN, and then many of them are getting either the cardiac medicine or the cardiac surgery certification. And it's definitely one thing that we do recommend people to go out and, and do if they have that lower GPA is to get that extra certification, whether or not they take care of post-operative cardiac patients. But yes, the CCRN is to me an unspoken requirement. So, do you ever recommend? There's another one for neuro that I'm still I'm working on getting the CNRN, and that's a different um, certifying agency. That's a big one. I've heard that test is 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 mm-hmm. pretty big, and that's for neuroscience. I don't know if I don't know if the yes. to get into CRNA school if they want to see that as well. I don't think it's as common for people to get that, but we are seeing more and more applicants with that alphabet soup after their name and the big ones that we see, the CCRN, CMC, or CSC. And so if you come in with a specific neuro certification, that would definitely make an applicant stand out because that would be very unique. And I do have a list of certifications that like per specialty, and I do remember listing that specific neuro certification on there for those neuro nurses, because we do have trauma nurses who will get their like TCRN, their like 
trauma nursing certification. And then there's like the stroke scale. That's not as big of a certification, but a lot of our um, applicants do that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, that would be, that would definitely be a good one for applicants to take as well. So also again, when I took the CCRN years ago, I don't remember it being scored. So now the CCR is scored. Maybe it, maybe it always was. Maybe I just didn't pay attention. But can you tell us about like what are, how many questions are on the exam and kind of what the breakdown of like a passing score is? Sure. Yeah. So you're going to get 150 multiple choice questions. I don't, and I have to retake it again this September, but I've taken it several times. Um, and I retake it every time because I teach it. And so I figure my audience, I owe it to my audience to have a current working knowledge uh, of what, what the current questions are. And that's how I build my content. Um, but 150 multiple choice, 25 of those questions are pilot questions. And it's really interesting. And I've sat through as many of these talks at NTI. I've gone to everything CCM related for the last five years to, to just to learn everything about this exam. And there's the AACN and there's the AACN certification question. Corporation. It's, it's part of the credentialing center, and they're the ones that design this exam. And it's a very it's a very thorough and efficient process. They have committees, three different committees that that meet together, and it's volunteer nurses like you and me that they organize annually. To they have a committee that just is like a practice analysis task force. And now I'm kind of getting away from it, but I'll, I'll tie it in here. Um, a practice analysis task force that looks at what's the current practice, what's happening right now, and what are we no longer doing. And so they they meet together and they come up with 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 this uh, this document of what's current practice, and then they take those results and then they give it to another committee to write the exam questions based upon that information. And then the third committee goes and it's the I think they're uh, they. they make sure it's they call it psychometrically sound to make sure that each question is written in a way that is accurate and ethical and they have this whole criteria that they gauge these specific questions and they have a statistician somebody that knows statistics really well and they look at those stats and that's where the pilot questions come in and so um, you never know which questions, which pilot questions they're going to ask. But I do know that I've gotten a pediatric question before, and I was really upset, and I threw that in the, at the, the little survey at the end of the exam. This is an adult certification exam, not pediatric. I don't appreciate you throwing it at pe-. That's when I learned that it's like, oh, okay, there's pilot questions, so it didn't count anyway. And so um, they throw those questions at you. You don't know which ones they are. So 125 of the questions are what you're being scored on, and a passing score is 85. So um, as long as you get 85, and so that's kind of like a set. 70, 71%, uh, which is pretty good because in nursing school, that meant fail. So for the CCR and exam, I'll take it. And so um, as long as you get 85 and, uh, or above and you, you, you pass that exam, that's, that's a win. Good. Yeah. So don't, don't get thrown off if you get a total curveball question and you are panicking because you didn't study this topic and you didn't see it on the list of, you know, proposed topics for the CCRN. It could just be uh, a test topic question and just don't get hung up on it. Okay, very good. So now we've established who should take the CCRN, um, what kind of background you could have, what the requirements are, and how many hours of ICU experience you need. If somebody is saying, okay, I want to take that CCRN as soon as I can, I want to schedule that date. When should someone, or maybe in your experience from the people who you've worked with, what is a a good amount of time for people to dedicate to to studying for the exam? I know it obviously is going to depend on multiple factors, how much they're working, but on on average, what kind of time frame are we looking at to, to say, okay, I should schedule my exam six months from now or three months from now or one month from now? Yeah. Yeah, no, and and like you said, it, it it's gonna it's gonna be individual specific. It's gonna depend on first thing is how much experience you have at the bedside. If you're a brand new nurse, it's probably you should probably give yourself a little bit more time, um, as long as you have your your six your, at least six months. Um, I know there's there's those nurses that are in a hurry. Okay, I just graduated nursing school and I want to get into CRNA school, and well, just do your time. Um, and so I'd say at least six to nine months of bedside practice. I mean, even then, if you've only got that little amount of practice, you want to give yourself, and it also depends on how much time you have to study, what your, what your priorities are. If you only, if you can only give yourself a couple hours a week, then you want to take, you want to take a good three, four, maybe even five months to, to study consistently. And so most of the, most of the nurses that go through my course, they, they complete it in as little as 
I want to say six weeks, and, and it's all it's all self-paced, and we can talk about that. Um, and you can, you can complete it in as little as two weeks, but most of them take their time. Um, and so it, it really is going to depend on you. There's no real magic number to do it. But I would say before you take your exam, now I think when you schedule your exam, you can do it up to 90 days out. And so you can, and most people, and that's what I do too, I give myself that full 90 days and I set that deadline. I, once, I, once I've paid the money and once I've, once I've registered for the exam, now I have that deadline to shoot for. Now I can commit to, to a study plan. So I'd say that if, 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 if you have enough experience, if you have at least a year of experience, I'd say three months of, of studying every day, a little bit every day, would, would probably put you in that sweet spot um, in my experience. And once you schedule the exam and get that date on your calendar, can you push it back free of charge? Can you reschedule that? I believe so. I think you have to give him, um, oh man, I don't quote me on it. Um, you've got to give him a little bit of time. You can't go the day before and say, oh, I need to defer it. I think there's like, you have to give them a little bit of time before. Um, I, have to, I have to look into that maybe a week to defer it, to push it back without a penalty. Um, but don't quote me on that because it's, I haven't, I, I, like I said, I'm due to retake it again this September. I have to register for it. And there's a, um, I think it's called PPI is the, is the company that, that the AACN uses for the exam. So unless they've changed their practices, but yeah. And, and a lot of people aren't, aren't ready to do that, which is fine. Um, if you don't feel like you're ready to take it, life happens, things come up, then, then definitely by all means, you know, use that, use that option to, to defer it. But, you know, just like CRNA school, once you're in, or just like nursing school, once you're in, you're in, you have to tailor your life. You got, when you're ready to take it, you know, other than unforeseen circumstances, it's, it's just one of those things that, that you place as a priority and, and you'll make it happen, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm a big fan of putting it on the calendar, paying the money, reserving your spot. I'm, I'm a big fan of doing that and telling yourself, well, I signed up. My date is this date. That's what I'm working towards. I think that that's very wise and sound advice. Three months, put it on the calendar. And then, yeah, I'd be interested to see, I'll have to look this up as well. Can you even move it up? Maybe after eight weeks, you're like, I'm ready to, I'm ready to take it. And, and sometimes it's just a matter of going for it. Right. Cause I think we can convince ourselves, like there's always more to study. There's always more you don't know at a certain point, you got to go for it. So I agree. Um, about three months is a, is a pretty good sweet spot. I think people have crammed and studied really hard and yes, have taken it, you know, with a month of studying or six weeks of studying. But I think a lot of those people have definitely utilized resources uh, like your program, like your course to help guide them because it can be very overwhelming to just sit down and like, okay, what am I going to study in the two hours that I have off today and dedicated to this? You kind of need to have a roadmap to follow. So, but we'll get to that really briefly discussing with your students and maybe even, you know, feedback from people who have taken the exam, what are some of the big challenging pieces of, of the CCR? And I, my gut would say the cardiac section is probably pretty heavy, but what are, what are some, probably some of the more difficult topics that you might think? And I know this would probably be individual for everybody based on their ICU experience, but do you have any guidance no, sure. on that part? Yeah, no, that's that's a really good question. Um, obviously, the, the the big and you're absolutely right. That's the biggest uh, section that that most nurses do struggle with is is the cardiovascular section. It's also the biggest section of of the exam. I think it accounts for like 22 percent of the exam, and rightfully so. Everything that we do in, in in ICU is you know there's some cardiovascular component involved, and so you you better know what you're talking about. You better know what you're doing, um, and so it's it's important to have a good working knowledge of hemodynamics. And, and a lot of the, the cardiovascular abnormalities that, that we see. And so that's one thing that, yes, do yourself, devote the sufficient time in that section to really understanding um, the roadmap of, of uh, or the handbook that the CCRN or the AACN wants you to know. It's interesting, one of the other ones, and so on my program, I, I offer a, a pass guarantee, and we'll talk about that. And in order to get that you know money back, I've got to see your printout. I ask, I ask those nurses to, to email email me a copy of their results. And a lot of it is so I can track and see, okay, what do I need to improve upon as well? Is there a trend? Are people, you know, are, is everybody just bombing, you know, gastrointestinal? Do I need to improve upon that area of my course? Um, and one of the more, uh, if you fail the exam or, or everybody that takes the exam, you get a printout at the end and it, it's going to tell you how you did in those key areas. And it's going to tell you where you scored. 
one of the ones that rings out to me for for those those nurses that that do fail on their first try is multi system and and this is a this is a part of the exam it's about fourteen percent of the exam but it's it's a very wide range of topics that include things like acid base imbalance end of life care sepsis infectious diseases the different types of shock then they just added interestingly this last um, now again I don't want to ramble on but this this last time so they, they update the exam every five years and so March of 2020 was the was the most recent update and this speaks to why I don't believe the books like you need to be careful which which study books you get because they could be outdated and not include the updated information and so they added on life-threatening maternal and fetal complications that is not on the two, two 2015 uh, exam study plan and so you're going to see things like help syndrome postpartum hemorrhage amniotic embolism there they might be a few questions just in those areas and so it's a very wide range and so that's something that you don't want to sleep on so really really look at that handbook and uh and take note of those specific sections that the out the multi-system outlines that's where a lot of nurses i see that they're scoring low they, they get like less than a 50 percent on those on those questions which i found was pretty interesting that is a pretty broad range with the the sepsis the septic shock and then also diving into, yeah, all of a sudden the maternal and fetal stuff, which these like neuro ICU nurses are like, what, what is that? Like, whoa, it's totally a different realm. And yeah, mother baby is just a whole new world. Even for CRNAs, that is just like a very specialized thing, just physiologically so different. So that's really good to know. And that's very interesting as well to hear you get the printout of where you did the best and where you have room to improve. Um, so it's super helpful information. And so for those students who maybe were not successful on their first time around. Is there a common theme to where you can kind of say, oh, well, you know, maybe it's just the amount of hours they did or did not spend, or maybe it was the the length of experience they had. Do you think there's a common pitfall maybe that you're kind of seeing? It's honestly every, it's it's different for, for every student. I think one of the big things that I always try to push is, you know, did you put your time in? Did you study sufficiently? Did you take the entire course? Um, and then the, the biggest one is, did you take enough practice questions? I think that's that's a that's probably one of the most important key factors in, in the CCRN exam is you got to remember that's sitting down and taking 150 questions. It always takes me almost every bit of, of, of two and a half hours. And that's that's a marathon session. And, and that's hard. Your brain starts to fog out after about the 50th question. And so one of the biggest things that I always recommend is the week before the exam, just like, so I'm, I'm into doing triathlons and training, right? I'm into, I'm into training. I've got the watch and I'm looking at my metrics and you don't just go and run a marathon with, with only a week's training. You've got to do at least six months of, of running a little bit and working up to it. And so that's a big one. And, like, and, and I don't remember the first time I took this exam. I remember my NCLEX. I bonked. I just, I, it took me like, I, it took me like 200 questions. I, I didn't, I didn't, it didn't shut off for me at 75 questions. I, I had to work hard for that one. And I just remember the biggest thing I mistake I made was not, uh, it was hard to prepare for the NCLEX first of all, because it's so broad, but I didn't eat a good enough meal. I didn't eat a solid enough protein breakfast. I think I just had like a granola bar and I thought I could just, I, I would, I would pass it. And uh, I bonked and that was really difficult for me. My, I got the brain fog and I just, I started to start clicking answers, not even knowing what I was clicking because I was just done sitting down for that long. And so, um, yeah, you're sitting, but it's, you're, it's exhausting taking that exam. So, um, that's something that I always recommend is about uh, two weeks to a week before you sit for your exam, you should be taking at least a hundred questions a day, each day. You need to be taking those practice questions, not so much to just, yeah, improve your knowledge, but to just get used to sitting down and I call it the test taking Olympics to sitting down for that long. You got to train yourself to, to be able to, to put that kind of time in. And so I know it's difficult, you know, to have that kind of time, you know, an hour or two a day, but it's, it's definitely well worth it. So that way is by the time you come and sit down for the exam, you want to get a good meal in something with some, with some solid protein. You got to pace yourself for the exam. So, but you got it and you got to come in sufficiently trained. I, I think that's probably the, the one commonality that I see that, that differentiates the ones that succeed and the ones that fail. Okay. So just to recap about two weeks, you said about two weeks before the exam date, start sitting down and taking about a hundred questions in one sitting. Is that what you said? 
Yep. Okay. Two weeks and to a week. I, I, two I weeks do to it a week. in a week now, but yep. Yep. Okay. And that's every day leading up to that every or like day. three times a week? Every day. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you want to do it, I mean, yeah, three times a week is is, is probably sufficient, but just get that training in to, to sitting down for that long a period of time. Block out your time, you know, put the kids to bed, whatever you got to do to to block out time and, and put yourself on a timer and start the timer and take at least 100 practice questions, if not if not the full 150, but at least 100 to just go through it. And you'll start to realize after about 50, you're like, oh man, I need a break. But there's a timer that's running, and so that's that's where they're gonna that's where they get you too. Is that once you start that exam, that that clock is running. So you get about I think 1.2 minutes is what I calculated per question to answer every question, which is which is which is a good amount of time. You can you can do it with plenty of time left over. But the fact that you have that timer, there's a little bit of, of built-in anxiety there, knowing like oh shoot, I'm on a time clock. And that's another reason why you want to train yourself up to that moment to be ready to sit. That's something that, like I said, a lot of nurses. Um, who fail, they, they didn't take account for. So we're talking then at least before you take the exam, you should probably have gone through at least 500 questions. That's five days of 100 questions each. So at least 500. Okay, that's good to know because I had no really no frame of reference of like how many questions is a good amount of practice questions, but that's a good starting point. Okay. I know some of our uh, listeners here are saying, okay, Nick, I have taken the CCRN. I did not pass. Is there hope for me? Can I still pass this test? So do you have any words of encouragement for people who have not passed the CCRN on their first attempt? Yeah, absolutely. Um, try again. Get get <laughs> Saddle that horse right back up. Jump right back in the saddle. You got to do it again. Um, this next time around, though, the good news is, is you've already had the experience now. Now you know where to go. Now you have a frame of reference. You, you have a, a focus. You have a visual of what it's going to look like, what type of questions you're going to get. So, I mean, I... If some people have the time and the money to, to throw at it uh, the first time around, because if, if you, like me, have that test anxiety, you know, there's nothing wrong with just trying it the first time just to get, you know, just to get used to seeing what it's like. Definitely get, get back up there and register to take it as soon as, as soon as you can now that you know what to expect. I think that's, that's always the first thing. The cool thing is, is it's not like the NCLEX where literally nothing happens. If you fail this exam, you're not going to get a, your manager's not going to get an email saying, Oh, so-and-so failed the exam. Nobody's going to find out. This is, this is an intimate process. This is something that's entirely individual. You don't have to tell anybody that you're going to do it. And most people don't, they don't like to talk about it. It's just one of those things you register and do. If you fail, you're not going to get a big Facebook post and learning all your, your friends, you know, that you failed the exam. Yeah. You're going to have to lick your wounds. Nobody likes to fail. Um, and, and the other thing to remember is, is it, it means it has no bearing on your value as a, as a clinical nurse and on your practice. You're still an amazing nurse. You're still a strong nurse. It just means that you maybe need to brush up on some areas that you're not you're not either either equipped or you're not confident in, and that you just you need to work on. You take that printout. And it tells you where you got to work on in those in those five sections. It tells you where you scored the least, and that's where you got to focus your your uh, your studying on. And so, develop a plan again. Get back to the drawing board, and get back on that horse. That's that's the first thing I I you know I'd recommend. Right. It's okay to be disappointed for for the day, but then tomorrow wake up and to get back at it. And it's it's you know it's not how you fall. It's how you land. It's how you come back the next day with uh, the mindset of, okay, I'm going to do this. I got this. We got that fail that fail out of the way, you know, and if, if you're going to fail, fail quickly, right? <laughs> what you said reminded me of a funny story. My best friend is an acute care nurse practitioner. We both worked in the same ICU. She worked in the surgical transplant ICU. I worked in the medical ICU. We started at the same time. That's how we met. It was during our nursing orientation. So we were both eligible to sit for our CCRN at the same time. We're super competitive with each other. We still are to this day. So we studied together. I passed my CCRN. She did not. And I was like, you know, throw it in her face at first. But then I was like, okay, I got to turn it down. Uh, so she got back <laughs> to the drawing board. She's like, no, I'm going to pass this test. Because um, I was like giving her a hard time about it. And so she like buckled down, took it again, failed again a second oh. time. Oh, and I was man. like, okay, maybe I can't make fun of you now. Like, let's, let's figure this out. Let's study together. Yeah. So she couldn't yeah. pass it again. And then the third time she took it, she still did not pass the CCRN. And oh. she was like, you know what? 
I'm good. I'm not going to take it. But you know what? Uh, she went on to become an acute care nurse practitioner at one of the most well-known hospitals in the country. She yep. was, did cardiac transplant nurse practitioner. So she obviously went back to school, became a nurse practitioner, succeeded. She uh, then went on to become a renal transplant acute care nurse practitioner. Very successful, very intelligent, such a great team player. She is well admired by her colleagues. She has won several awards as a nurse, um, as a nurse practitioner and as a bedside nurse. And now she is in her doctorate program and she's going to be graduating in about a year. And she never let the fact that she could not pass her CCRN define her. And like you said, that's not the end of the world. It's it's not yeah. what's going to, you know, determine your future success in life or determine whether or not you are going to be a good CRNA or get into CRNA school. Um, yeah. Because my best friend, Lexi, she has, has proven that all wrong. And there are also plenty of wonderful CRNAs who didn't get their CCRN or maybe who didn't do well on certain classes in school, but they are great clinically and they're smart and patients love them. It's, we're not defined, you know, by these check marks that we try to get. So that's really, uh, yeah, it's always, always get back on the horse, but at the end of the day, you're right. It's not like the NCLEX where you're like, shoot, I can't become a nurse. (laughs) I can't go go on to be the person I wanted to be. No, this is just the icing on the cake. So yeah, no, three times. That's, that's impressive. I had, I I did have a student that took it seven times and it took him seven tries to finally pass the CCR and exam. So he he came to me, sent me an email, says, Nick, I don't know what else to do. I've gone, I've taken every book. I've, I've used them all. I've done it all. And I, you know, I said, well, I know a guy. And, and finally the seventh time he was, he was able to succeed and pass. So he was super. So I was, I was impressed because yeah, I think after three, that's when I'd probably be like, okay, maybe this isn't for me, <laughs> but it just, mm-hmm. if you're not, there's, there's people that just aren't good test takers. And so that's, that's a very common fear. That's a common barrier for people to do it because they just, they get that test anxiety and, and I'm one of them. And I still do. Like I, I still get get all worked up. I have physiologic issues that happen before a big exam. Mm-hmm. And I think that was from nursing school. Um, I think I got an ulcer from nursing school because of those exams. Because every test that you took meant the difference between pass or fail out of the program. And it's like this is failure is not an option for me. So I put I put a lot of stress on those exams. And so, but this one is this one's just completely different. It's it's. It's it, yes, it is a box to check, but it's not the end of the world if you fail. You just got to try again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very wise words. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about Critical Care Academy and your CCRN course? Sure. Um, so, after I took so my, the first time I took a CCRN exam is about ten years ago, and it's it's it was then that I realized that. I overstudied. I, I'm, I'm the type that that's just my personality type. I, I, I go 110% on whatever venture I want to get. And yeah, it was one of those like, okay, I got to have this in, in order to move on to the next thing. And so I bought every book out there. I bought every course. I, I, I Everything CCRN related is what I just saturated myself with. I had the time to do it at the time. I didn't have kids. I realized that after I took the exam, there was just a really, there was a tremendous lack of, of good, solid content, as well as the, the, the way that content was delivered. Um, so all the books that I got, they were you know 600 pages thick. They were tedious. Most of the information was irrelevant, and they were just boring. And then I had a hard time with that. And so um, I looked at it as an opportunity at the time. Um, it was just a series of events that happened that, you know, there was some good books that I read that kind of put me in this in this direction to to go for it and um, I have a video in background production uh, I'm sorry I have a background in video production and so uh, I took I took about I decided you know what I can I can do better I'm going to put out a, a better course to help people pass this exam and and something that that so they don't have to kind of go through all these hoops and all this stress and 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 get all these books that that are just they're overkill and um, that's when I decided to to come up with a, with my own review course. And so I took three years to script everything based on the current CCRN handbook, every every topic, subject, everything that's on the CCRN, the current CCRN handbook. Um, I scripted. I went through and um, I got a couple of my colleagues to to help me with the information. I scoured the internet for information related to each of those concepts, and I put together a script. I put together a, a study guide. 
And um, I also got my camera and I filmed uh, videos and I put together a micro learning module and I produced, um, I, had, I had somebody help me to produce with the post-production. I put together an e-learning course where I help nurses like myself pass the CCRN exam on their first try. And so um, I launched about three years ago, um, right before COVID. And the timing was great because everything shut down. And so um, an, an e-learning course was the timing kind of worked out. And um, yeah, since I've helped a little over a thousand nurses now get their certification. And so I have an online e-learning platform. I still also promote, I do teach it live. I go and I partner with hospitals all over the country to come in and I, and I either teach a live course, I also do virtually. So I have a thousand page, uh, um, it's, it's about 1100 slides of a PowerPoint that I teach off of, so I can do live virtual courses. Uh, the, the flagship is my online e-learning course. It's self-paced, you get six months of access. Um, I have it set up on a, on a cloud-based platform, so it's always up and running, so you never have to worry about the website going down. And uh, yeah, my mission is to save a million lives by helping 100,000 nurses achieve certification. I love that. And I, I didn't know that you did uh, live courses as well. That's incredible. I think that that's a great opportunity to, for people to really take advantage of because then you're forced to get serious about this for the three days that you're there taking this exam versus, you know, sometimes we lack accountability online when we're doing things. Um, the other thing that you mentioned was micro learning or, or micro videos, short videos. Can you explain to us a little bit about what that means and how that makes um, your CCRN course different? Oh, sure. Yeah, no, thank you for asking. Um, yeah, and a lot of times some people have asked me, so what makes you different than some of the other uh, nurse educators out there or, or, or instructors that, that teach CCR? And I really don't, I don't, I don't say I'm better, but I am different, especially these upcoming generations. We're, we're very digital now and our, our attention span, I think, is, is, is diminishing. And so that was something where I saw a gap in um, a lot. At the time, there were there, the, the courses that were out there were were uh, at least the ones that were, were visual and online. They were like just they'd be an hour long PowerPoint of somebody just talking to you, and I would just drown out. And so I kind of and that's what I got my master's in in nursing education, and I did a paper about that. And so there's this concept called micro learning, where we learn and we we are able to retain knowledge when you're given much shorter tidbits, um, three to five minutes at a time. And so that's kind of how I designed the course. And so what you get is three to five minute videos, and it's it's me presenting, but it's also you're getting visuals, you're getting graphics, very, very high fidelity videos that, that I that I incorporate through each module, through each section. And I, yeah, I've got samples on my website that anybody can, when you visit, you can see the way the videos were produced. So you're not just getting the information, you're getting a visual side to it to kind of see. So when I talk about, for instance, um, you know, oxygen exchange, as I'm talking about it, you're seeing a visual of the red blood cells going through the pulmonary vasculature and oxygen going going off, CO2 coming or CO2 going off, oxygen coming on, and so it kind of helps tie it in. And this is in a very, very small, short video where you can view it in three to five minutes, just little tidbits, little chunks, and, and it helps to reinforce those concepts. And so you're going to get about 400 minutes of video-based content uh, in those small digestible chunks of three to five minutes per, per module. That's incredible. And that's, that is a, a problem that I have had when I have taken digital courses myself is I don't want to watch an hour long video because I have concepts I need to be setting or things I need to look up in that moment of something that somebody just said. Sure. And that micro learning technique is a big deal. And that isn't a way that I also try to structure my, um, my CRD school application uh, accelerator course. I think my longest video might be 15 minutes. They're all very yeah. small bite-sized because there's there's assignments you have to do after each of them. Like for you, there's concepts that you should like take a moment, think about for a second. And then also when you're going back and wanting to review a topic, it makes it so easy uh, in your course in particular to find exactly where you need to go, exactly where that concept was covered. And you could click that video and get your refresher, your four-minute refresher. And it's just way more efficient than filtering through like an hour and a half long video trying to like press forward, like 10 seconds forward uh, to, to try to find that one line that I know Nick said something about this, but I, like, what was it? So that is that is a really th a really good thing that I love about your, your modules as well. In addition to the video, the high quality of the graphics, that's also really important because I think that a lot of these concepts are going to stick better when we have 
the audio, the video, and then the written um, component to them and really solidifying these concepts that way because we're not all auditory learners. Many of us are visual learners. That's really excellent. Now that we've learned a little bit more about your course, if somebody is wanting to take their CCRN, when would you suggest investing or purchasing your CCRN review course? Is there a certain amount of time that you think before they uh, plan to take their exam? Sure. Um, I'd say as soon as you're eligible. Um, so let's, let's, let's go through the, the, the average nurse that, that's been working for about a year. Um, they want to get their CCRN is the next step. They decided, okay, I'm going to pursue CCRN. Mm-hmm. What do I do from here? Mm-hmm. So um, the first thing that I, that I always recommend is to sign up, take the exam, give yourself that deadline. If you've got that experience, mm-hmm. First thing is first, register for the exam, and then the next thing is is to set that plan to invest in in some review material. And so, um, yeah, I would say the first step, obviously, after taking the exam is to, is to register for the course. Um, you're going to get uh, six months of access, and so there's plenty of time that you're going to have with the course, with the content, uh, especially if you take it within, if you're going to take the exam within the 90-day time frame. Um, so I'd say right away, um, as soon as you're eligible, take the exam. You've got that minimum six months of experience. Um, and again, this is this you want to have at least six months because you need to have that clinical experience because a lot of the concepts on the exam that they're going to ask you, there's some some of them that just aren't covered in any review material, and you're going to be you're going to be drawing from that clinical knowledge. Like, oh man, you know what? I had a patient last month that had that problem. How did I handle this? Or what were the, what were the orders? And you're going to need to have that that experience to draw upon it to, to be able to answer those questions. Going back to the question, yes. So as soon as, soon as your elder will take the exam, uh, that's that's when you. And as soon as you register for it, um, that's when you want to when you want to start the taking taking a, a good review course. Okay, wonderful. And I will link the course below, and our listeners can get 10% off that with the code CRNA Club 10. So thank you so much for giving us a discount code for that. Um, and I will also, it's also linked on our website as well, but thank you so much, Nick, for sharing us all of the knowledge that you have about the CCRN and for sharing with us all the information, uh, about your course. It's incredibly high value. And I highly suggest that people make the investment and pass that, uh, CCRN on the first time around, which, um, Nick has a guarantee within his program for that. So that is a, a very big deal. So again, thank you so much, Nick. And uh, I look forward to seeing you on Instagram. Yep. Awesome. Same to you. Thanks for having me on, Sachi.